Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> and let me say welcome either back or for the first time to our series on Kingdom Living or what we're calling Secrets of the Kingdom. We're working our way through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, um, or what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in recent weeks, we've been into Matthew 6 and looking at certain spiritual disciplines like giving, um, praying, and we will get to fasting. Um, hey. I, <laughs> um, but this morning I've been asked to talk on forgiveness. Forgiveness. So um, Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 and 15 says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And after verses like that, we need to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for, first of all, forgiving us that we can walk in the forgiveness that's possible through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray you will invade this place in an even a greater way this morning. Lord, don't just allow information, but let transformation take place. Challenge us, but Lord, most of all, will you change us to be the kind of sons and daughters of the King that we are supposed to be? Take this word, Lord, and use it for the extension of your kingdom. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, in a week where, in which archaeologists have discovered some of the oldest artifacts that have ever been found, or Roman artifacts that have ever been found in this country, I thought I would kick off by talking about some Roman discoverers. You see, where they've ever found um, a particular Roman encampment or a, where they found Roman ruins, Archaeologists have discovered hundreds of pieces of lead, lead that is rolled up on which there are written prayers. In Roman times, people would actually pay to have their prayers written down and stored. And because the most common kind of prayer were curses, these, have be, these lead pieces have become known as curse tablets. People would actually address a god or a goddess and say something like, this person has hurt me. And here's how I they hurt me and I want payback. And I want you to hurt them, to inflict pain on them. And here's how I want you to do it. So, let me actually read one of these cursed tablets that was actually found in Rome. Now, I'm not making this up. This is an actual prayer to the gods. I invoke you, holy angels and holy names, tie up, block, strive, strike, overthrow, harm, destroy, and kill and shatter, you carry us the charioteer. And all these horses tomorrow in the arena of Rome. Let the starting gate not open properly. Let him not complete quickly. Let him not pass. Let him not make the turn properly. Let him not receive the honors. 
Let him not come from behind and pass. But instead, let him collapse. Let him drag behind. Both in the early race and the latter ones. That's in case the gods didn't know whether he was running in the 2.30 at Kempton or the 4.30 at Cheltenham. You know, So just in case the gods didn't get which race he was running in. Now, now, quickly, quickly. Let his breath be bad and his teeth no longer sparkle. That last sentence I made up. That wasn't in the prayer. <laughs> I just made that up and added it in. But everything else is is actually real. That's what someone wrote, had written and stored. This guy hurt me. You hurt him back. I hate him. Although the most common of prayers recorded on these tablets were curses, let me give you another category. The so-called bless my enemy tablet. You carry us, the charioteer hurt me badly. Will you deliver me from my resentment? Would you help you carry us find genuine repentance? Would you forgive his sin and mind? Would you heal our relationship? Do you know how, do you know how many bless my enemy tablets they've discovered? None. Zero. Zilch. You see, people didn't pray prayers like that to Zeus. To be fiercely loyal to your friends and fiercely opposed to your enemies was considered noble. The gods were there to help you get what you want, and if you got heard, what you wanted was to get even. Into this world came a carpenter from a small village called Nazareth. Into this world came a rabbi called Jesus who would teach a totally different point of view of forgiveness, a totally different perspective. Matthew 5, 43 to 45 says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Hurt, anger, bitterness, and resentment are huge forces in this world, and none of us get a free pass. Jesus said, if you only love those that love you, you're no different from anyone else. He said, if you want to be true sons and daughters of your heavenly Father, love your enemies And pray for those who persecute you. You know, I love Peter. I think he's great. Peter the disciple. There's one day that Peter came to Jesus and he knew that forgiveness was a major theme of Jesus' teaching. And one day Peter came to Jesus and I think he, I'm reading between the lines, I think Peter wanted to impress Jesus. And sometimes he got it right and sometimes he got it so wrong. And so Peter comes to Jesus talking about forgiveness and how to take it to a whole new level. And he says something like this, Jesus, someone hurt me. If he asks me to give, forgive him seven times, should I do it? And Jesus replied, no, 70 times seven, you do it. 70 times seven, you do it. You see, Jewish tradition had it that you forgave people three times only. 
It's three strikes and you're out. I'll forgive you three times, but that's it. A fourth, there isn't. And yet, Peter thinks, I'll raise the bar. I'll impress him. So I forgive seven times? And Jesus said, no. Seventy times seven. What Jesus is saying, Peter, I didn't come to bring a new standard. I came to bring a new system. I didn't just come to raise the bar. I come to give a whole new view on forgiveness. I didn't come to raise the standard. I came to bring a whole new system of forgiveness. I want you to see, Peter, there's no limit to God's forgiveness, for which we're grateful. No matter how many times you get hurt, God's grace is sufficient to help us let go, move on. And there's no restriction on God's creative power that's able to change our minds and find a way to restore broken relationships. So with that in mind, what I want to do this morning with God's help is to give you three characteristics of what I believe is good and godly forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness is a choice. You choose to forgive. Although some people think that it's an emotional response, forgiveness is predominantly a decision of the will. And when we choose to forgive someone, we're deciding to release them of a debt that we could justly demand. We're agreeing to let go, to walk away from the hurt, because no matter what they did or whether or not they deserve it, godly forgiveness says, I'm deciding I am choosing, I have made up my mind, I'm going to walk in God's love rather than the hate, the anger and the resentment. I'm choosing to live the ways of the kingdom rather than the ways of the world. In the arena of human interaction, it's fair to say we have all been hurt at some time in our life. And some of these hurts go really deep. A parent may have wounded us. A business partner could have cheated us. A church leader could have spiritually abused us. A friend could have turned on you. A spouse could have betrayed you. Sometime or other, we're all going to get offended. And if you've never been offended, (laughs) you will. Well, offenses will come our way. At some point in our life, we're going to be offended. And some of these offenses go really deep. Now, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. And just before I draw, let me say I did go to art school, but I ended up in a pottery class. And that is true. In all of our lives, that is what I would call the ground of insecurity. We all have areas where we're feeling vulnerable. We all have areas where we're somewhat sensitive. It's into our insecurity that sometimes a seed of offense is sown. And by a seed of offense, I mean something said. You know, sometimes people say things and we feel offended. Well, I do. I'm, I don't know. I'm the only one here. You know, someone sends you an email and you get offended. Someone says something and it upsets you. 
Sometimes people don't say something and we get upset. We humans are, are, we're wonderful creatures, aren't we? Sometimes someone does something and we get offended. Sometimes someone doesn't do what we expected them to do and we get offended. And so a seed of offense is sown into the ground of insecurity. If we allow that seed to remain, what happens is it germinates and begins to take root. And according to Hebrews, the root that comes from the seed of offense is the root of bitterness. That Hebrews says causes us trouble. So the seed of offense is sown into the ground of insecurity. We let that germinate, we give it room, we give it the environment it needs, the environment of anger, hurt, and resentment. And it begins to create a root of bitterness. But that is not where it stops. Because if we don't deal with the offense, and the Bible clearly teaches to have short accounts, what happens is it grows. And it produces a fruit. And it's what's called the fruit of resentment. So we have a seed of offense sown into the ground of insecurity. It produces roots. If we leave it there, it produces the roots of bitterness. And then if we still don't deal with it, we have the fruit of resentment. But when I decide whether this person, whether this group deserves it or not, by God's grace, I am going to forgive. What I do when I choose to forgive, I choose and I am saying I refuse to give this seed of offense any room in my life. I refuse to allow it to take root in the ground of my insecurity. I refuse to give this seed the environment of hurt, anger, and resentment that it needs to germinate and grow into a root of bitterness that springs up and causes me trouble. I refuse to allow bitterness to to produce a fruit of resentment. I am choosing God's way rather than the way of resentment, hurt, and anger. Forgiveness is a choice. I decide. I choose. Forgiveness is not only a choice. It's also a journey. It's a journey. Now, as I often say, I love the theory. It's the practice I find challenging. You know, I go away. Oh, I've got all these the things on forgiveness. And then something happens. And I think, oh, dear, I've got to put this into practice. God, help me. You see, it's not a destination. Forgiveness is a journey. It's a process. While unforgiveness can lock us up spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, forgiveness can bring release both to the offender and the, the offended. But that said, forgiveness is not an easy road. Having decided to forgive, we will undoubtedly, undoubtedly find ourselves stumbling over the rocks of injustice. Having decided to forgive, we will undoubtedly find ourselves slipping on the slopes of resentment and at times struggling to find our way through the valley of loss and anger and hatred and bitterness. Forgiveness is not a one-stop shop. 
Sometimes we find this is a process. Everything is not always sorted out in a moment of time. Forgiveness is a process. You know, God has forgiven me. Wonderful. I have received the forgiveness that is through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. That forgiveness is in Christ. It's in God. But I have to die daily to myself and put on the new man which is in Christ Jesus. It's a journey. It's a process. I have been saved. I am being saved and I will yet be saved. It's a process of working out that whole journey of forgiveness. Let me give an illustration. I recently got an email. Now, that's not unusual. But this email wound me up. I, again, I've said before, I'm not a, a reactor. I, if I react, I am a nuclear reactor. I should respond, but I often react. And this email, instead of saying, isn't God good? I love the body of Christ. I'm just going to love Jesus and praise God. I didn't. I responded. I should have left it and waited, counted to ten. But I am going to respond to this email. Boom, send. Oh, no. (laughs) You ever done that? Yeah, the laughter tells me that we've all done this at times. So I responded to the email, not in the most godly of ways, for which I had to apologize to the individual I sent the email to, face to face. I said, I'm sorry, I I really, that was not the way to respond. Please forgive me. And they graciously forgave me. But through this whole process, I found God giving me a word, and the word was residue. That's a nice word, residue. And the the phrase that was coming to me was the residue of hurt. I thought, God, what are you saying to me? There are instances in our life, there are events where offenses have been sown. And we have spoke the language of forgiveness. And we have talked about forgiving. And yet sometimes... There is a residue left over. You know, in, 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 um, CSI, I've learned this. <laughs> well, my best research comes from CSI, but you can fire a gun and it's over in a moment, but they can prove you fired the gun by the residue that's left on your hand. There's something left over. The event is gone, but there's something left over. We went out for a meal the other day, and it was no one in this church, so let me just say that. As a parting gift, the man who makes cider and wine gave us a bottle of his homemade cider with a warning. Don't drive when you drink this, but that wasn't the only warning. He said, don't shake the bottle, because at the bottom of the bottle, there was about a half an inch of residue. He says, if you shake the bottle... You will find the whole taste changes and it will not be a pleasant experience. So we're carrying this bottle carefully. Don't let it, don't let it, because uh, we don't want to shake it. There's residue left over. And if you shake the bottle, the residue begins to flow through the whole cider. Someone used to say to me, if you want to know what's inside a person, when you shake a bottle, you'll find out what comes out. And this email shook me. 
And I found things rising up that I thought had been dealt with. I find, God, what is going on here? I just felt God say, there is still some residue. And I, this morning, am praying a prayer. I want to get rid of the residue. Anything that is left over, anything that is still has settled deep into my spirit from offenses that have happened in over years. I think, Lord, when this bottle gets shaken, I don't want anything to come to the surface that is not of you. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not only a choice, it's a journey. And it's not an easy journey. I'm not saying any of this is easy. It's not easy. But it's not only a journey, it's not only a choice, it's a gift. I love words. I think English is a beautiful language. Do you know there is a give in forgive? There is a given in forgiven. Forgiveness is a gift. There are givers and receivers in the whole realm of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. And I think as Christians, we give forgiveness. And in the giving of forgiveness, because we are Christ followers, I believe there are elements of God within the gift. There are elements of God within the gift. It's as if that this gift of forgiveness is a grace gift. I don't think we can give forgiveness in a godly way without God's help. Help me, God, to give forgiveness. This person in my natural mind, and I'm being honest with you, they do not deserve it. They do not rightly deserve this gift of forgiveness, Lord. But by your grace, I can give forgiveness. And if forgiveness is a gift, and if it's a grace gift, it's going to have elements of the gift of God. God's gift of forgiveness to us is unmerited. I didn't earn this forgiveness God has given me. I didn't deserve it. God has forgiven me. I didn't do anything for it. It's not by works, lest any of us should boast. It's the grace of God. His forgiveness is unmerited. It's undeserved. And as I give forgiveness, it it shows something of the unconditional favor of God, irrespective of what the offender says or does. In those moments where we are reluctant to forgive, we need to consider how God has forgiven us. Because as a Christ follower, I think forgiveness begins at the cross. Lord, this person has offended me. But I realize that I have, an aff- I have offended a righteous God. And yet at the cross, the Father demonstrates his undeserved, his unearned, his unwarranted, his un- unmerited forgiveness for us. We're recipients of the gift of God's forgiveness. Do you know, we just sometimes just need to marinate on some of these things. I have received God's unmerited, undeserved forgiveness. I'm forgiven. That is mind-blowing. It is way beyond our human comprehension that I, offending a righteous God, could receive the forgiveness that he gives to me. 
We're recipients of the gift of God's unmerited forgiveness. And therefore Paul says, and our text in Matthew says similar thing, forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. You know, there's a line in the Lord's Prayer that says, Father, forgive our debts as we also are forgiven our debtors. And that word as, forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That as is a sobering word. As we've forgiven others, Lord, forgive us. Sometimes people say, I wonder what Jesus was meant, meant by that. You know, what is the Greek behind all of that? What is the, the basic meaning? Well, the basic meaning is there's a correlation between the way we forgive and God forgives. In a sense that our forgiving should be likened unto his forgiving. Just as we have received, give. Forgiveness is a gift we offer. Even if the offender is unable or unwilling to receive it, we still offer it. No matter how great the offense we have suffered, I am no under no misapprehension. Some of us have suffered some great injustices. And some of us have really been offended. Can I say this morning, those offenses are minuscule to the offense we've caused God. And yet he, in his love and grace, has forgiven us. Someone said, if you've got it, you'll give it. Now that may not be good English, but it's great theology. If you've got it, you've been forgiven. You'll give it. You'll give it. I have been forgiven. Therefore, by God's grace, I'm making a choice. I'm going to journey in it, but I'm going to make this gift of forgiveness. I will give forgiveness. And Lord, let my forgiving be characterized by your forgiving. It'll be unmerited. It'll be almost scandalous. It'll be unwarranted. But I'm going to forgive. Although biblical forgiveness does not mean that to forget, it doesn't mean to condone, it doesn't mean to excuse, it doesn't mean to tolerate or, or to overlook. It means to let go. Again, you're probably not like me and for which you should thank God. But sometimes I have a, a terrier-like spirit that won't let go of something. I'm going to hang on to this until, I don't know, but I'm going to hang on to it, I'm going to, and God says, let it go. Let it go. No, I'm hanging on to it. I, it's mine and I'm proud of it and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to enjoy it. That's weird. <laughs> God says, let it go. It's not going to do you any good. I know it's not going to do me any good, but I'm still going to hold on to it. Forgiveness says, let it go. Let it go. It will just so make you bitter. And he will rise up in a fruit of resentment. The biblical word forgiveness means to send it away. It means to give up your right to get even or recompense. I hate injustice. I re- this is where I struggle. I hate injustice. If someone has treated me unjustly, I want my pound of flesh. I want the thing to be resolved. And I want it to be resolved now, God, please. Now, 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 quickly, quickly. You know, it's almost like one of those prayer cards. Quickly, quickly, now, now. Let the gate fail. Let them fall out. You know, let the 
Carius the charioteer, let him fail in all of that. And I find myself sometimes looking for the person to trip up and fall on their face. Though, ah, you shouldn't treat me like that, should you? <laughs> That's a judgment of God on you. I think, Lord, where does that stuff come from? That is not the Christian way to react. You see, you're so glad you're not like me. You'll pray for me with greater wisdom and understanding. But sometimes I think thoughts, I think, I am so glad no one knows that. I think, well, God knows everything. He's just seen my thoughts or heard my, see, observed the way I act. To forgive is to give up the right to get even or for recompense. To forgive is to literally set someone free from the obligation they have to you because of their wrongdoings. I have recently had to check my spirit because as you look back on your life and see the way people and groups have treated you unjustly, I find I have found myself having to ask God for help because I almost feel if they fail, it justifies me. But Lord, they're your people and I want them to succeed. So Father, help me to have forgiveness that is likened unto your forgiveness, unmerited, undeserved maybe, but I want to ex- I want to show forgiveness just like you. With that in mind, and I've finished in plenty of time, I want to conclude this morning with a prayer. Now, let me say this prayer is for me. All right, it's my prayer. I'm going to let you join in on my prayer. Because you just might find this helpful. I have to admit, I was going through this prayer in Costa the other day. And I'm in floods of tears in the middle of Costa. I'm thinking, people think I'm crazy. What's going on? But this is a prayer that comes from my heart. Because we are in a unique position that maybe many of us have gone through experiences where we have had seeds of offense sown into our ground of insecurity that may or may not have created roots of bitterness or that have sprung up into a fruit of resentment. Let's put this prayer up, shall we? And I'll read it through and then we'll go through an exercise that may or may not help. I think it will help us. Heavenly Father, you have observed those times when the enemy has sown a seed of offense into the soil of my insecurity. You've watched as those seeds have sometimes created roots of bitterness and produced the fruit of resentment. But today, this all changes. For I am asking you, the gardener of my soul, to tend this piece of surrendered territory. And if necessary, lay an axe to the root of bitterness that has caused me difficulties. If necessary, filter my beliefs, thoughts, attitudes, and memories. So as to remove the residue of hurt, anger, resentment, thoughts of retaliation towards those who have offended me. If necessary, Lord, give me the grace to walk free, to let go, to give up my right to hold people to account, to be accountable to their acts, for their actions. For today, I'm choosing to walk free of my past and walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has set me free. That's a great prayer. Not because I've written it. I believe it's a prayer that we can pray this morning. Yes? 
Yes, Chris, it's a great prayer. I really agree with that. It's wonderful. I am so glad you brought that this morning. Thank you. That is wonderful. Stand with me. If you're able to stand, that is, stand with me. John, could you come and play for us? Um, Anyone here never been offended? Because you need to lay hands on all of us. We have all at some point in our life suffered offense. But I would like to draw a line under stuff this morning. Maybe you've done that. If you have, that's great. Just join the rest of us. But the stuff some of you have heard our journey and the stuff we've gone through, like some of you, where people have been awful and there have been offenses from family, from church, from situations that I think, God, I want to draw a line under that. I want to move on. I want to live in the freedom where with Christ has made, has set us free. Amen? Yes? So I'm going to read this out again. If this is where you're at or if this is what would help you, maybe you want to read it with me, I don't know, but just think of these words. And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, the stuff, the stuff, the residue that is so often has settled over time and yet when something else comes along and hurts us, it gets shaken up and clouds the new wine Holy Spirit we want clarity we want to live a life that's crystal clear to be pure in heart because blessed are the pure in heart for they see God we want to see you Lord in and through our lives so come Holy Spirit right now and I pray rid us of the residue rid us of the rubbish the stuff we feel maybe has or has not been dealt with we pray this prayer in faith Heavenly Father you have observed those times when the enemy has sown a seed of offense into the soil of my insecurity you've watched as those seeds have sometimes created roots of bitterness and produced the fruit of resentment but today Today, this all changes. For I am asking God, the gardener of my soul, tend to this piece of real estate, this surrendered territory, and if necessary, by your spirit, lay an axe to the root of bitterness that causes me difficulty. If necessary, By your Holy Spirit, will you filter my beliefs, my thoughts, my attitudes, my memories, and so remove any residue of hurt, anger, resentment, and thoughts of retaliation towards those who have offended me. God, by your Spirit, today give the grace necessary to walk free let go and give up my right to hold people to accountability 
or to account for their actions. Today, 5th of June, 2016, I'm choosing to walk free. My past, its hurts, its disappointments, and walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has set us free. Let's say amen together. Amen. Father, you know the journey each of us has gone through. You know the things that have been said and not said, the things that have been done or not done that should have been. Lord, you know every offense that has been sown into us. We're asking for your grace this morning. Don't let us give room to those offenses whereby they might germinate and bring and produce a root of bitterness that causes nothing but trouble. Root out the seeds, Lord. Lay an axe to the root. And anything that's produced a fruit of resentment towards people, towards groups, we just pray. Let that be gone today. That your name will be glorified. Father, thank you for the theory, but the practice we're praying. Help us in. Help us, Lord. Help us in these things.